Today I'm uh, continuing my series of messages entitled Our Ancient Symbols. You can have a seat. Uh, you know, symbolism is important to our faith. It always has been and it always will be. And we have examined the uh, Alpha and Omega symbol earlier that, that appeared around the third century. And then we, uh, we learned about how this actually is a reminder to us that Jesus was and he is and he always will be fully present. And then, uh, then, then we also learned about that symbol that he's not just the God of today, but he was the God of the past. He is the God of today, and he's the God of the future. And it doesn't matter what is happening in the world culturally or politically, God is God. <laughs> I like that, Alpha and Omega. Woo! I, want to, I could just do that whole sermon again, but I'm not going to. I was just kind of thinking about it. Thank you, guys. We also examined the heart symbol. The heart symbol is kind of cool. Uh, I, the heart symbol began appearing about 1,100 years ago, and this symbol really came out in Christianity to remind believers that biblical love is really the center of our faith, the love of Christ, Bible love. And in fact, Jesus, uh, uh, we learned that Jesus allows us to basically move into what I called his house of love. Remember the love shack last week? Yeah, I've, got, I've, gotten, I've, got, I've heard about that. But, but we moved into his house of love, and, and whenever we choose to follow him, we move into that house of love. And here's the truth. He will never remove his love from us, even if we move out of his house of love. And that we, we learned that we're going to treat others the same way that Jesus treats us. I also talked about tolerance, which is a hot topic these days, and what it means in the context of God's love. If you missed any of those messages, you really need to uh, go online and, and get the podcast, subscribe to, to that as well. But today we're looking at the Celtic cross. If you look on the screens, it's... You know which one it is. I don't need to show you that. You guys are smart. But this is another very popular symbol of our faith. And, and, and today I've given you a stone cross. These are pretty nifty, aren't they? I, I want you to hold it. I want you to touch it. I want you to feel it and keep it. You know, symbols are important. It's kind of cool. As we were singing that song, I thank you for the cross. I mean, I was holding it. I, just, like, I just gripped it and held onto it. I'm like, ah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And, and I want you to have this today. I want, I'm just going to keep drawing your attention back to it. Keep it close to you. I'm keeping it close to me. Uh, but symbols are powerful, and the, the power is in what they mean. It, now, I want us to understand something. It's not some kind of a supernatural, mystical power in the item. Uh, now, there are ridiculous stuff that's in movies that makes it, makes it sound like if you hold up a cross and, you know, the, the, the vampires are going to shriek in pain and all that, and you're like, ha-ha, they have this powerful emblem here. Or, or if you touch a, a, a cross symbol on a person, it's going to drive all the evil out from them. Well, you know, that, that doesn't work. That's, that's not reality. That's what we call mysticism. That's not, that's not a part of our faith, even though they, we use items from our faith to make it look that way. But in here, this is important, guys. We never want to take the power of God and minimize it and place his power in an object. Now, this is important. The Ark of the Covenant was the only object that actually carried God's power. But since the cross... The God no longer, the presence of God, the Spirit of God would no longer abide in the Ark of the Covenant. The Spirit of God now abides in us, in people, never to be in an object again. So there is no power in the physical symbols themselves. And, uh, but but what, really what they are is they are reminders of the certain aspects of God's character and His nature. They teach us how to live. They remind us of how we need to be interacting. And, and they, they, they show us the reality of how 
how we interact with God and the people around us. Now, when Moses was leading this group of uneducated slaves out of Egypt, God spoke to him, and God prescribed a lot of symbolism for his people to utilize. I'm going to talk a little more about that later in the message today, but, but the reason for this symbolism is, is that a, a, a picture or an icon or a symbol could remind them, and it reminds us of an important message and helps us to simply tell a story. And Moses embraced this and he communicated it to his people. In fact, this is in the scriptures in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says this, Moses says, These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. That's, that's it, because he really wants it on, his, on, on our hearts. That's where, where it really, like I, I prayed a few minutes ago, if you caught my prayer, if you listened to it, I prayed that our hearts would be impacted, our hearts would be changed, that we will leave here different again. That's the goal of, of God's word, is that it impacts our hearts. But he says, impress them on your children. We're doing that right now with the children's ministry. I love children's ministry. And, and it says, talk about them when you sit at home. So go home, talk about it. Talk about it in your small groups. Talk about it in your connect groups. When you walk along the road, it means when you're walking through downtown Fort Worth, you're going over to Sundance Square, you're going to talk about the sermon. You're going to talk about the things that you learn. And, and, and since, we, when, since we, walk, we don't walk as much as we used to, then go ahead and do it on the treadmill. Go ahead and do it uh, in your car, all right? And it says, when you lie down and when you get up. So it's just everything. Keep talking about it. And then he said this, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that you do not forget. Now, most people look at this and think that they would literally write the commandments out word for word and place them on their hands and heads and door frames and gifts, but that's, uh, and, and gates, but that's not what it says. In fact, think, I want you to be, think, that was actually impossible. These were illiterate ex-slaves. They didn't know how to read or write So that's why God says use symbols because the symbols put them in these places because they will help you to recall the stories and the commands of God. Now today we're not uneducated former slaves. Quite the contrary. In fact, our culture today is very different. We're educated, but we have unprecedented overstimulation. And some of you are struggling with it right now. You're thinking, I need to check my email. I got to check my text. My phone buzzed. Oh, no. I want to see how many likes I got. No, I just took a picture of my cross. Did I get any likes yet? No, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) So therefore, I argue that I think symbols are just as important today as they were back then. In fact, they're really, really important because they can get us, get our minds off the overstimulation on some things that really matter. Reminders. Little reminders. Remind us of what's really important. So today I'm talking about the cross. In fact, the Celtic cross in particular, but really the cross itself in a more broad sense. And in fact, the cross is the most recognized symbol of our faith today. And, and, uh, and it's a statement that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And in fact, right now in China, the cross symbol is being forcibly removed from churches. And the reason for this is because the government has deemed this symbol is offensive to people. I always have to watch out when, when people start saying, oh, that symbol's offensive to me, that symbol's... This is what's happening in China. People have said, I'm offended. So the government says, well, we don't want to offend. Let's just eliminate all the crosses. So they are literally building scaffolding around churches, and these massive cranes are going up and get, gaining access. You can read about it in the media. They're taking blow torches to the top, and they're removing these crosses. The, the only problem with this is these unfortunate government folks, they should read history. 
I learned that history is good for us because it helps us to know what happens because history will repeat itself. And uh, they, they should read history because the truth is, throughout history, if you outlaw a Christian symbol, the Christians always come up with a new one. And faith has always outlasted every government. Our faith has outlasted every nation. And we now have a whole lot of symbols that we can use. And the cross is one of those powerful symbols that I like to use. I love the cross. In fact, it's one of my favorite symbols. Now, one, one, one interesting thing about this, though, people get really uptight about their symbols. Now, I, 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 was, uh, I was pastoring a church in Missouri, and it was a huge auditorium. It was a huge dome-type auditorium, and we were uh, starting our TV ministry, and we had to have some different lighting. And there was, this, there was a huge, massive wooden cross that was, that was suspended from the very top of the dome. And, and, it, and it came down, it was on chains, and, and it was kind of like hanging there, right? I mean, just right in the middle. You, you could not miss it. But, but it got in the way of some of the lighting, and so the idea was, well, my guy said, hey, we'd, let's take the cross and let, let's mount it to the ceiling. We can put some backlight on it. It'll you know, still be there. And boy, you move the cross, and Aunt Mabel, she is gonna have she she she's gonna eat your lunch. I had about fifty Aunt Mabel sitting at my desk, wanting to know why I didn't like the cross anymore, and why I was trying to get rid of Jesus. Like, I, that's not Jesus, you know. That's 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 a cross. We're putting it up high, but it's been hanging there for fifty years. My goodness, we can't take it down. Well, we took it down, we moved it, and and people survived. They went, but I'm telling you, you don't mess with people's symbols. Uh, On that same building, it was very interesting. On the outside of it, there was a descending dove, which was a big, huge thing. It was on the outside of it, and and it it was kind of cool. In fact, I'm talking about the descending dove next week, so you don't want to miss that message. But but the descending dove, the, the problem with it is where that descending dove was mounted on the building must have been the place where where awesome trees were many, many years ago because birds roosted there. And I'm not talking two or three. I'm talking 60, 70 birds would roost there. And, and they would, you know what happens when birds roost? They defecate. And so we had this beautiful, huge uh, 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 symbol of, the, of this descending dove and it had bird poop all over it. I'd have to send the guys out all the time, power wash the bird poop off. They got tired of us. Like, I'm not going to have bird poop on, you know, the, the, the bird. So we, we got to keep the, the we got to keep the symbol clean. Finally, we just said we tried everything. Put owls, put sticky stuff. You could not get rid of the birds. So we just finally we, we finally took the thing down. The birds the, the birds actually for a while they actually would hold on to the bricks on the side of the building. I would look. I took pictures of them. I said these are the craziest birds I've ever seen. They are most relentless. Like gonna hold on to a brick and stand there. You know weird birds but you took the I took the descending dove down and you would have thought that I took the Holy Spirit out of the church you know because don't mess with people's symbols yes you know what I'm talking about but symbols are important and I respect that I honor that that's why we're doing this series but the cross reminds us of one thing it reminds us that God loves us more than we love ourselves if you remember anything today I want you to remember this God loves you more than you love yourself Some of you, you're saying, well, that's not tough because I don't love myself very much. Well, I will take issue with that right now. Because you feed yourself, you bathe yourself, you clothe yourself, you entertain yourself, you attempt to balance yourself, you give sleep to yourself, you give yourself medicine when needed, you, you, when you're threatened, you defend yourself, you protect yourself. You see, you do love yourself, you do. And it's healthy to love yourself. But no matter how much you love yourself, and even if you're a narcissist, God still loves you more than you love yourself. 
Last week I shared the biblical definition of love. So basically when I'm saying that God loves us more than we love ourselves, here's what it means. It means this. It means God's benevolence toward you absolutely cannot be defeated. What it means is God's goodwill toward you has no end. It means that God is always seeking, always, always seeking your highest good. And that God demonstrated to us that he will give anything to help you. And that God makes the choice to love us. He's not forced to. And that God loves you by choice way over emotion, which is up and down. I'm telling you guys, that right there should cause any insecurity in your life to fade and crumble. And when you see the cross symbol, when you see this thing, when you touch this, when you wear it, let it remind you that God loves you more than you love yourself. Because without the cross, really our... Our faith is just a set of beliefs. It's empty religion. The truth is, is I am a lost, pathetic man without the cross. In fact, we're wasting our time here today if it weren't for the cross. In fact, we are all on a death march that cannot be reversed if it wasn't for the cross. So the the cross means everything. The cross symbolizes that what Jesus did to forgive our sin. What did he do? I mean, basically he allowed himself to experience the humiliation, the agony of Roman execution so that we could have access to God. That's huge. The cross symbolizes Jesus' victory over sin and death. It lets us know that sin has been conquered by Christ as well as death itself. Therefore, sin can be erased from your life. And even when your body dies, it is not your end. The cross symbolizes what we embrace and what we cling to and what we live within. I cling to that cross. I want to take up my cross and follow Christ, and I choose to live in the cross, which I'll be sharing with you more on that later. The cross symbolizes God's sacrificial love. Truth is, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the love. And whatever happened, what happened on the cross, what happened on the cross, which is symbolized by the little icons that you hold today, It was the greatest love ever expressed in the history of the world. The power behind this symbol is the power that draws us to Christ. And and we can't help but see love expressed in it. In fact, God himself put it this way. In Jeremiah 33, 1, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing love kindness. See, the cross draws us. It pulls us in, and it reminds us that God loves you more than you love yourself. I need the cross. I thank God for the cross, because at the cross, God gave everything for me. At the the cross, Jesus finished his work for me, because of what happened at the cross, my ugly, nasty, putrid, rancid sin was obliterated, it was forgiven, and it was eliminated from my life. And I stand before you pure today as if I have never sinned because of the cross. <laughs> you get that? I thank God for the cross. Now, a particular cross symbol that I have always been drawn to has been the Celtic cross, which I'm using as the backdrop for today's message. And this symbol actually began appearing throughout Europe about 1100 A.D. The Celtic cross was very heavy. Uh, It was typically initially carved out of stone, and it was massive in size. 
The cross was durable. It was resistant to decay. In fact, many of the ancient stone Celtic crosses still exist today, although actually most of them were destroyed during the Protestant Reformation. That's why there are not more of them uh, that are out there. But the big question about the Celtic cross that a lot of people ask is, why the circle? And, And I've researched this in detail, and I've arrived at a very simple response. The circle was not some additional form of symbolism, but it was just carried on with images of the cross years later. But it was simply there for one purpose. It was for the purpose of reinforcement because the crosses were initially made out of stone. And the masons put that there as a support under and over the cross beams to simply prevent them from breaking off due to the weight of the stone. So the stone crosses that you're holding today, well, they don't need it because it has too, the arms are not too uh, heavy that they're going to break off. But if you were to build a, a cross out of stone and make it 15 feet tall and 8 feet uh, cross beam, then you would definitely need support just like that. It's kind of like the flying buttresses on a tall medieval building that prevent the walls from collapsing. A long time ago, they thought, oh, that has symbolism. That means something cool. And then they eventually found out, no, that's actually architecture. Uh, it's highly functional. It's architectural design. And, 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 but but I, I like the imagery, though, that the Celtic cross produces because the cross of Christ is a durable place to dwell. The cross of Christ is lasting. The cross is not impacted by changing seasons. The cross actually withstands the tests of time. The, The cross symbol is both horrible and beautiful at the same time. In fact, a blind 19th and early 20th century songwriter, Christian songwriter by the name of Fanny J. Crosby. She authored like over 8,500 gospel songs. She pinned these words to a song that I, I used to sing in church as a child. And as I was preparing this message, these words kept coming to me over and over again. And most of you probably never heard them, but they mean a lot to me because I sang them as a kid. And this was my favorite cross song. It says, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. And these poetic words speak simply of the author's desire to simply live in the cross. See, the cross is a place where the pain of earth and the joy of heaven come together. It's, it's, it's kind of like a spiritual altar where we can draw near to for refuge and for solace. The, the, the cross is a place where you simply remember that God loves you more than you love yourself. Now, now the very first appearance of the cross in our faith was when symbolism itself was actually introduced to God's people through Moses. It appeared some 1,500 years before Jesus Christ was even crucified on the Roman execution cross. And the Old Testament is full of types and symbols that point to Christ, but, but this image of the cross was actually one of those symbols, yet very different and completely had a completely different function than all of the other symbols that God had given God's people through Moses. See, when Moses introduced the cross symbol, the cross wasn't an icon. It wasn't a decoration. The cross wasn't a piece of jewelry. 
the image of the cross was literally alive. The cross was living. It, it, was, it was teeming with life. Let me give you this setting. Moses had led God's people out of Egypt into the Sinai Peninsula to a place called Mount Sinai. And at that same location about a year earlier, God had spoken to Moses through the burning bush and commanded him to bring his people back to that place. And, and, and God said that he would meet with Moses right there again and would give him further direction at that time. And most of us know that this is the setting where the Ten Commandments were given. You guys know that story for the most part. But there was a lot more to it than that. Much, much more. See, what happened there is a lot more was given to God on the mountain. And it's all described in the book of Exodus. What God did is he gave detailed plans to Moses regarding health care, regarding worship, regarding a design of a, of a place of worship, regarding social law and diet and spiritual leadership. And he also gave them all types of symbols that foreshadowed Christ. In fact, everything that God gave Moses in one way or another was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. This is powerful, but they didn't understand it and they didn't know it, but it was all symbolic. And one of those symbols was the construction of a living cross. You see, God's people were living in the wilderness in tents. And up to this point, there was no structure or order to their camp of over one million people. And I, can you imagine all the people of Tarrant County having tents, and you get up and you're in the desert and you're moving your tents around all the time with no real organization to it. Can you imagine what that would be like? Well, well, part of what God asked Moses to do at this juncture was to arrange God's people into an organized tent city. And the structure of this arranging of their camp, God said this structure will facilitate life. The camp had a specific layout. At the center would be the tabernacle. This portable place of worship that housed the Ark of the Covenant. And from there, the various tribes, which were these 12 massive family groups, would line up in one of four different directions going out from the tabernacle at the very center. The smallest of the tribes were to line up to the west, the largest to the east, and the north and the south were equal size. And, and, and their arrangement, once they were arranged exactly according to the scriptures, it formed a perfect cross symbol. I've actually gone in. I doubted it when I originally heard this. I went in and took the numbers out of the Bible, and I drew charts, and it actually came up to look almost exactly like that. I was shocked. The people were no longer clumped like in cities of today, but they were lined up, see, simply giving everyone easy access to the tabernacle. Also, everyone now had access outside the camp where they would set up their latrines and they would collect firewood, etc. So living in the cross was God's design to create order and accessibility and to facilitate, more than anything, life. But like every other symbol that was given to God's people in the wilderness, this one had a deeper meaning. You see, the image of this from a mountain or from the sky would have been a gigantic living cross with, with the smoke even arising from the center of it where the sacrifices were being made. And there are over a million people, can you imagine, in this living cross. So the people literally lived in the cross. They'd been freed from slavery and they could stay free as long as they lived in the cross. See, there was freedom and life in the cross. If they wandered away from the cross and left the protection of God, they would surely die in the wilderness wasteland. You see, there is freedom and life in the cross. 
Even more interesting is this cross symbol was really preceded in Egypt because in Egypt, the cross symbol was well known to the people of that day as the symbol for life. And every one of those people camped out in that cross knew that. They were from Egypt. They lived in the cross. They had life. Interestingly enough, at one point, uh, there was a man by the name of Balaam, and he, he practiced magic, sorcery, magic arts and sorcery, and he, he was hired to put a death curse on God's people. So, so Balaam climbed up on uh, this huge mountain. He climbed up as high as he could, and he gazed down at the, at the camp. And when he did, the scriptures say he was just like frozen in his tracks. And, and as he looked over God's people, he saw this massive human cross. And Balaam said this, and it's recorded in the scriptures. He says, how can I curse those whom God have not cursed. How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. I see a people who live apart. It was clear even to the sorcerer that he was powerless over God's people as long as they were living in the cross. And those who live in the cross... They were blessed. Do you understand that? They're not cursed. They can't be cursed. The same goes for us today. When we choose to live in the cross, you're blessed. You're protected. You live outside the cross. The truth is you are actually being cursed by your own choice. It's a choice. It was a choice then, and it's a choice today. You, you can live in the cross or outside the cross. You get to choose either blessings or cursings on your life. Moses said it this way. He said, this day I call on heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have said before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life. In the wilderness, they chose life and blessings by living in the cross. And they had no knowledge of what the cross was going to mean as we know it today, nor did they understand the various types and symbols of all the other things they were practicing. Little did they know that the cross that they were living in would eventually become the instrument of death, the image of self-sacrifice of one who chose to follow Christ. And whoever would cling to the cross, whoever would live in the cross, would actually find life and protection and security for eternity. In fact, in the wilderness, here's what's even more amazing, is the camp moved from place to place, so they would literally take up their cross and follow God. They would follow God's presence to a new place, and then reestablish the cross, and they would camp again. That was their life, taking up their cross, following God. The symbolism parallels exactly, uh, parallels exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me whoever wants to save his life will lose it whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it the symbol of the cross is beautiful it's a wonderful terrible symbol of life and it reminds you that god loves you more than you love yourself my challenge today is to Embrace the cross. Take up your cross. Follow Christ. Understand that we find life when we live in the cross. In the cross, there is no fear of death. God's people in the Sinai Desert had no idea what they were really illustrating because the camp of God's people, they were a living, breathing cross. And, and that even makes more sense to the lyrics to this ancient song that they would sing. Psalm 91 says, If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. 
Dwell on the cross. Live in the cross. Remember that God loves you more than you love yourself. His love is expressed in the cross. For at the cross, God made you alive in Christ. Through the cross, your sins are forgiven. Because of the cross, the debt that was owed for your sin that absolutely must be paid for with your life was paid for by Christ who died in your place. At the cross, your sin was nailed there. Because of the cross, all the power of hell was disarmed. In fact, Satan and his demons can no longer taunt you with a sentence of eternal death and punishment. And at the cross, Jesus actually made a public spectacle of all of those forces of darkness that rage against us. See, Jesus triumphed over them when your sin was nailed to the cross. That's why this is really critical. We can never, ever see church as a self-help seminar. It's not a cool downtown club. It is, it is all about the light of the cross. Don't you ever let anyone deceive you that, that, about the power that's really in our faith because it comes from the cross. Because of the cross, you're no longer dead in your sins, but you're alive in Christ. Paul says this. He says, see to it that nobody takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. That, that's important for us. I mean, that, that's huge for us today. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, that means all the demonic forces, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The cross is amazing. The cross is my favorite symbol. The cross simply says God loves you more than you love yourself. Would you close your eyes for a moment and focus internally? If you want to know this Jesus that I talked about, and you want a clean slate, and you're ready to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And if you want to be included in this closing prayer, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to do one simple thing, and that is to lift your hand. Because faith is when we respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. One, God loves you so much. He gave you Jesus. Two, Jesus died on the cross so that you can have life. And three, everything begins today. Would you lift your hand if you need Jesus? If you want Jesus in your life, lift your hand. Thank you. Who else? You want to give your life to Christ today? Who else? I want to give my life to Christ today. Lift your hand for me. I'm going to ask that everyone please stand right now. Everyone stand. And if you raise your hand, I want you, along with everyone else in this entire congregation of believers, to pray these words with me. I want you to say these words with me. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Dear Jesus, come on, say it with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose to live in the cross, to live the full life, protected and secure. In Jesus' name.